0: livery. Soldiers, the tips of their spears red-hot through and through, as if they have just been pulled out of fire. These are hard men that bar the way. In the second dream, I am in the house in the blue room where I was born, doors and windows all locked and even the space under the door where motes of dust used to sidle is sealed with some sort of wadding. The furniture is as it was, double wardrobe of walnut with matching dressing-table and washstand. There is the slop-bucket in green with the plaited basket-button. I am there alone, incarcerated. All the others have died. I am there, to answer for my crimes. It makes no difference that my interrogators are all dead. It seems to me that I saw things before I actually saw them. They were always there, the way I believe that the words are always there, coursing through us. I think, for instance, that I recognized the blue walls of the blue room, walls weeping quietly away from endless damp and no fire, even though there was a fire grate, ridiculously small compared with the size of the room, in which the lid of a chocolate box had been laid as an ornament. And Our Lady... She was not the sallow creature in paintings that I would come to see on different walls, but a buxom Our Lady of Limerick, with a host of infants around her ankles, as though she had just given birth to them. Her accouchement was far happier than that of my mother, who would talk of it down the years, her labour, her long labour, the night in December and the black frost that was usual for that time of year the midwife late and the hullabaloo, which turned out to be needless, on being told that I had club feet because I came into the world the wrong way. The child before me had died in infancy, but I always believed that she wasn't dead. She was in one of the bedrooms, in a cupboard, or in a nightdress case, and after I learned to walk I would never go up there alone not even in daylight. My father and his brother Jack were downstairs drinking, and on being told the good news, they staggered up, bringing strips of goose which they had just cooked, it being the Christmas season. In my mother's telling of it, the goose was half-cooked, pink, and tough. Jack gave a rendering of Red River Valley, come and sit by my side if you love me. "'Do not hasten to bid me adieu, but remember the Red River Valley and the cowboy who loved you so true.' I was an ugly child, so ugly that when Ger McNamara, the son of the couple who lived in our gate lodge, and a captain in the Irish army, came to congratulate her, my mother said I was too unsightly to be shown.' and therefore kept me hidden under the red herringbone quilt. Such is the ragbag of anecdote, hearsay, allegory, and consternation that filled the canvas of my early life, at once beautiful and frightening, tender and savage. Drewsborough was a large two-story house with bay windows, and could be approached by two avenues, an old and a new. The goldish sandstone of which it was built was from the burned ruin of a big house that had belonged to the English and that had been burnt in the Troubles during the 1920s. My mother as a young girl would be invited to the annual garden party held each year for the local peasantry where they were served iced buns and homemade lemonade, with wasps swarming the buffet table. Drewsborough owed something to the stylish houses my mother had seen in America. There were ornamental piers on the gateway, bay windows, and a tiled porch that was called a vestibule, opening into a tiled hallway.